Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be fully acceptable in your sight. Unworthy as I am, but I can do it through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so, this is the second phase of righteousness by faith. In the present reality, I'm called to live by righteousness by faith in Christ. So, what is this? It's a call to live by the word of God. Do we really believe what we are reading in the Bible? It is written, man should not live by blood alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. This was in his terrible confrontation with Satan. Satan, get out. But I live by every word. Now, do we believe that we live by every word? You know, that's a, that's a good question. It's a call to be holy. Now, there are many commentaries that explain holy, that holy really doesn't mean holy. You know, and that it means a mature understanding and whatever. But only, and, and, and the reason I can understand why those eminent men do this, because they don't know what to do with the word holy. What do you do with the holy? And they look at themselves and say, you know, I want to be holy, but I'm not holy. So they create a theology of maturity. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be, what? Holy and without blame before him in love. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4. Now we have had nice division-wide meetings and calls, you know, the chosen ones, the chosen ones, the chosen ones, and, he will, and who will deny that we are not chosen? What does the text say? Chosen to what? Holy and without blame. See, that is the contents and end result of the chosenness. Called to be a holy sacrifice. You know, this is a favorite text here that we use, especially in our health meetings, and Vicky knows it, uh, how parted that is. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It doesn't say a living sacrifice, mature. No. Holy. Romans 12, verse 1. It is a difference between the world and God. The church to be holy without blemish. Ministers, do we really realize the call that the Lord has given to be the shepherds of those churches, that he might present in the end result her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish, Ephesians 5.27. Do we realize our calling? Friends, if we realize this calling, some of us may shake in our shoes, this is Lord, how can I 
How can I do this? Christ says, call on me. A new Christian is the elect of God, holy and beloved. Now, is this a part of our Bible studies that we show this? Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, Colossians 3.12. See, here is the, the word holy is a fuller meaning. It's tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, even in board meetings and business meetings. I still remember my first church and my first, first board meeting. And there were some issues, and I don't show what the issues were. And it seems that I didn't walk the way that a strong party wanted. And so at the end, that party stood up, and they had keys in their hands, and the keys smashed on the table, and they walked out. Because they loved, they lost tender mercies and kindness and humility. And look, suffering. And you know, some of you have had some of those experiences. But, you know, it was for me a shock because I had never chaired a board meeting. And this was my first one. Anyway, the Lord has been gracious to me. An elder is to be holy and self-controlled. He is hospitable. A lover of what is good, sober-minded, just holy, self-controlled, Titus 1.8. Friends, do your elders realize that holy function? Do they? This is a very important part. And you as the spiritual leader of the church are responsible to guide them and to teach them in this dimension. You know, you may never have thought about it. But this is also your calling. Be holy. And here is the Bible, the reason. Why is this holiness there all the time? See, do we believe this? As God is holy, you also should be holy. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who calls you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, Be holy for I am holy. First Peter 1, 15 and 16. You know, this is a tremendous calling here. A privilege. We are now a part of the family of God. We are a child of God. We are redeemed. We are adopted. And therefore, in everything we should do, we will show the righteousness of Jesus. The righteousness of God. And righteousness is not full with sin. That is unrighteous. And friends, this is something that is important for us this morning to reflect upon that. Are we responding to this call of holy living? Believers to be holy in conduct and godliness. Here you see the picture of dissolution. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? 
2 Peter 3.11. And the closer we come to the end, the clearer we see the devastation and fights everywhere and destruction. Terrorism. And the more we see this, you can either react fearfully and afraid and say, okay, you know, what the hell we do? Let us go to the mountains and discuss and, and take us away. No. Be holy in conduct. You are calm there because you know that your master is in control of those things. You don't need to be afraid. You know, I, I still remember I had to lecture in, uh, in uh, the university there in Nigeria. And, uh, you know, there were some guerrillas and, and fighting there. And I took off for Chicago. And when I was in the air... They showed us the latest reports of what was taking place in Lagos. And suddenly I heard that all air traffic was stopped. This is a civil war. No more people in here. And there I was over the Atlantic. Going, you know. My wife was very concerned and, you know, thought maybe I should come home. But who gave me the invitation? Not the conference. Not the university. It was the Lord. And so I landed in Frankfurt, two days, no flight, and then the first flight took off. Shall I go? Shall I not go? It was not, no problem. God calls me. And if he has still a mission for me, this will be successful. That big 747 was nearly empty. It was me, a few missionaries, and a few businessmen that tried to rescue their property in Lagos. There we go. And so, I had an enjoyable time, went down, and then they took us to the university, and every so many miles, there was a patrol with guns, and we had to declare everything. We had a marvelous time there. There were several of the Nigerians that fled to another part of the country, and they had a board meeting or a meeting there just before they left. And I was there present, and they asked me what I was doing here. And so I explained my mission. And a number of them leaders felt so ashamed that they said, Stop, we are not going back, we are staying here. Praise to the Lord. And so I have never been afraid in flying and going and talking and whatever no matter how tense the situation is, because if God is there, nobody will touch me. And so that has been my philosophy through life, and I'm glad for the reception here in Michigan. Very kind, peaceful. <laughs> now, what brings you holiness? In the sex section, I look at the Bible, and it says, it is the words that gives you divine power. The simple word. Do we believe this still or not? Is it an ideal that hopefully it will be done? Or can we claim this as our safeguard? Godliness through divine power. First, Second Peter 1, verse 2 to 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power 
has given to us all things that pertain to godliness. How much? All things. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Here it is, you know, it is a promise. And we can believe it. That through these you may be particles of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It's a promise, friends. We have to claim it, and then we can be particles of the divine nature. It's, it, 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 it's not presumptuous. No, this is not. Lord, on our knees, he said, Lord, this is what you promised. Please, may it be realized in my life. And you cry out. The Bible and Spirit of Prophecy, a number of statements says that we have frequently to cry out. To cry out. And there is nothing unmanly reserved only for women. No. We can cry out. And we especially will cry out when we have godly sorrow for sin. If it is absent, it will not work. And so to me, this is, has been one of the most powerful texts in my life. And yet, when I was studying for min- to be in, in the ministry, I had no idea about the power of this. And nobody ever has told me the power of those things. Here, even the Lord's Prayer reveals divine power for delivering from Satan. And do not let us look us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Matthew 6, 13. Here it is now. I don't know how many of you, you know, pray the Lord's Prayer. Frequently, it is only on special occasions. <laughs> and we hate to repeat this every day. But in a private devotion, it would be good to repeat those things. And so it is grafted in our mind that to him is all the power. For what? To lead us not into temptation. But deliver us. Do you need this deliverance every day? It's amazing how Satan can come up with his concoctions. And you have to make a decision, right? For him or the Lord. But to him is the power. The Holy Spirit empowers believers. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world, end of the earth, Acts 1.8. Now, when we baptize people, and they are enlisted in our army, do we teach them that now they can receive the power of the Holy Spirit? I wonder, because if we would do this, we would enlist another soldier into our evangelistic strategy. See? If we believe really that we now have the power, there will not be any literacy in talking. No. Because we have the power. And if they don't understand it, then the pastor can say, now brother, did we not pray over you? Here we baptize people, but frequently we don't see after baptism that we put the hands 
on the person and ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we have to ask, brother or sister, what is the gift that the Lord now has given you? And they scratch their ears and they say, I don't know. Just pray about it. Next week again, ask it. Don't give up. Because they settle down in the Laodicean pleasure. No. No. And then show this text, you have now received power to win souls and to bring people to Christ. What is your target audience? See, so in other words, immediately after baptism, filling with the Holy Spirit, get a special gift, and now enlist them in the army. And you will have no Laodicean church. Do you believe this? See? Now, you believe it. Are you going now to practice it when you return to your churches? See, it is the power that many of our people lack. The nice church members, they pay tithe, Sabbath keepers. But where is the power? Because if they have the Holy Spirit power, there will be a change, a radical change. Christ's gospel is God's power to salvation. <clears throat> for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For whom? For everyone who believes, for the Jews first, and also for the, Gen- the Greek, Romans 1, 16. And that means for the whole world. The Chinese. The secular individuals. Ah, but you cannot come to the gospel to the secular individuals. I mean, they laugh about it. Hey, listen, I mean, I was a secularist. I was an existentialist. I was a man of the world. And the word of God changed me. So don't think you need to go even to the university or to all kinds of higher institutions of learning to get a secret of conversion. Absolutely not. Christ's power works in believers. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Ephesians 3.20 Again, you see, it works in us. And you as pastors should be responsible to see that people recognize this. If you don't recognize it, you will not see your need. Our strength is in the power of His might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Ephesians 6, 10. We are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all the patience and suffering with joy. Colossians 1, 11. Friends, are we as spiritual leaders acquainted with his might? Not with the strength, but with his might. It's something overwhelming that is offered to us. The thing is that many of us don't realize what is available. And maybe because we have not experienced this. Here's the whole case. 
Christ is the head of all principalities and power. That's beautiful. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and power, Colossians 2.10. What do you need more than a completeness of Christ? Because he is the head of all the powers. Our strength is in the power of Christ's might. You know, isn't it amazing that if you go through the Bible, and I didn't even go very, very carefully, but you know, you single out those promises. One after another gives us might and power. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6.10. See? You should be strong. Every one of you, every minister, because of the power of his might. Challenge this. It is offered to us. See how it works. And you will be amazed. We are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. We are kept by the power of God through the faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 Peter 1 verse 5. And for Peter, the last time was from his generation until the end. So we are living on the tail end of this. The Lord has chosen Seventh-day Adventists with a unique mission to prepare men and women for the appearing of his son. Do we realize this privilege, friends? Okay, there are many, many interesting things in the Bible, Ellen White says. But Seventh-day Adventists are called with a specific mission. Not to give all kind of beautiful sermons about the Psalms and about Chronicles and, and F, F, you know, whatever. Beautiful things. But at the end of time, there is an urgent mission. And the mission is to prepare men and women for Jesus. To face it. Are we ready for the task? At the end of your life, or when Jesus comes. And he says, what have you done? With all the might and power that was available, what will you say? You know? Where is your flock? And we don't even talk about our own children. You know? And some of them have never gotten the message. And now are in the world. And I just decided to look at the spirit of prophecy and show how the divine power comes to God's people. We have seen the holy calling to holiness. How do we accomplish that? Steps two. And that is through the might and power of Jesus. It's offered everywhere. But this, I think, is a very practical point for people who are wrestling with this. How does this mighty power, we know it's there. Divine power first comes through the grace of Christ. The perfection of Christian character depends wholly upon the grace and strength found alone in God. It's three Testimonies 188. See? It's nothing for us. When the character perfection 
calls upon us. No, it is Holy Christ. So grace and strength alone. The divine powers through the grace of Christ. Without Christ you can do nothing. But with him you can do all things. For his grace will be sufficient for you. Signs of the Times, June 1, 1891. See, what marvelous. All things. Otherwise it's higher than the highest human thought can reach. That's what God wants for you. Not get a degree of that university, get your doctorate of energy university or Princeton or whatever, that's even better because it's outside of us. You know? No, friends. Here it is. The power through the grace of Christ. Then through the Holy Spirit. And so if you teach those dimensions to people, when they are desperate and in great need, then can, can choose from a whole array. And maybe at that time of urgency, it, the recall is so, but nah, I have to do that, or I haven't done that. Divine power through the Holy Spirit. Through the agency of the Holy Spirit, the character is transformed, and the mind and will of the human agent are brought into perfect conformity to divine will. And this is conformity, conformity to the divine standard of righteousness. Here it is, again. It's sanctification by faith in Christ. You know, I looked at uh, the index about righteousness of Christ, justification, sanctification, whatever. Do you have any idea about the spread of references? The most references are by righteousness of Christ, about 12, 13, 1400. Then justification, and of course, you know, you have to keep in mind that there are reprints and whatever, also incorporated. Justification, about 260. And then righteousness by faith, about 125. And what about sanctification by faith? Or sanctification in the righteousness by faith? Five references. And what he says about it, we should be do more about this. We should write more about it. That's all she said. But through my study here, I have seen now a whole broad perspective that we even have hardly touched in. And this whole presentation this morning and, and the next couple of days, all deal with sanctification by faith in Christ. And so think about it, what we have missed over the years. You find this in Youth Instructor, February 17, 1898. It's interesting that most of those references about righteousness in Christ and sanctification and, and justification come after the eventful events on 1888. So it seems that the lectures of Joseph Wagner seem to have a profound impact on her. And she says specifically that really this teaching is nothing new, but what is new is 
how to integrate the righteousness in the three angels' messages. But if we don't share the three angels' messages, and we go into our church, you know, and what do we see or hear? Many times you can hear in sermon excellent quality, but it could be from a Baptist. could be from a Presbyterian. You see? Is there a unique ring to what we preach? Oh yes, people hear it when they go to an evangelistic meeting. But is this the end? How can you teach healthful living from the three angels' messages? Oh, you pray about it and the Lord will reveal it. I'm not going to tell you this. I mean, so he is the way, how I got much of the information. I go to him and I call upon him and he can give you the thing. And many of the ideas that I have presented here, I got in the middle of the night. Suddenly the Lord impressed me. I said, Darmstadt, did you think about this? He said, no, I didn't. So next morning I incorporated it. Marvelous what the Lord did. And so he can do it with your sermons. You know? Pray to him. Around every tempted soul, there are angels of God ready to lift up the standard of righteousness if the tempted one will only show resistance to evil. Each one may be an overcomer. Review in Herald, August 8, 1907. If evil angels have such power over the children of men in their disobedience, how much greater power the good angels have over those who are striving to be obedient. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ, working obedience unto righteousness, angels of God will work in our hearts unto righteousness. First selected messages, 94. You know, I mean, it, it, it's beautiful. Compare, you know, see what the evil does. Wouldn't God do much more? He does. But do we take them at his word? And if we say, yeah, you know, this call to holiness is ideal, and, and we work with the reality, no change will come. No change will come. And if no change will come, no power will come. Because the power of his might is not associated with a life in which we are continually, purposely sin. Or say, okay, it's just my nature. Nature. In one of my churches, I had a deacon. And uh, every Sabbath morning, he was there in the church. And when I came, he had a cup here. He was drinking. I said, what do you do? Oh, yeah. He says, that is my daily uh, task. I said, what is your daily task? Go to 7-Eleven and get a cup of coffee. And that carries me through. If I don't do it, it's not going well. So his idol needs to be destroyed. Of course, I mean, I never saw the victory in that kind of thing. Because he was a man working in construction. Powerful biceps. And a raising voice that makes you tremble. So, you know, you better be quiet and did some praying. But I didn't stay long enough to finish that course. <laughs> but, I, you know, those are things, you know. So, in other words, you know, whatever I say here is not based on theoretical, you know, reflection in an armchair. 
it's from my practical experience. Divine powers through scripture, which is very, very powerful. The means by which we can overcome the wicked one is that by which Christ overcame the power of the word. These are of ages 258. And Satan was defeated. And Christ is our example. We can defeat him also. And we can have the victory after victory after victory. Ah, uh, you know, it, you can't overcome, you know. It, it's, you know, what about the book of Revelation? You may as well throw the book of Revelation away. Because after every church, he that overcomes a beautiful price. Is it simply an ideal? For those who are defeated, you get a special stone with your name. No, friends. You will burn in fire. That's what the Bible says. So we may as well bring some of those things out. Powers through his commands. God never places before us a requirement without giving us the power to perform. Isn't this a beautiful promise? Review and Herald, June 22, 1905. So all God's requirements, he empowers us to gain the victory. Again, our Heavenly Father requires no more nor less than has given us the ability to do. Colossians 3, 62. You know, uh, Colossians, uh, Christ of your lessons. You know, <laughs> you know, that is a marvelous book. I mean, if you have never, I mean, never read it, you know, you should read it or in prayer meeting or whatever. These elevations, of course, are also powerful, but the lessons of the para parables are so marvelous. Divine powers through his commands. No one can keep God's commandments except in Christ's power. Review and Herald, June 4, 1895. Now, some of you may say those are beautiful, but I haven't seen it in my life. Friends, when you leave this place, or even tonight, cry to the Lord for help. It says, Lord, open my eyes that I may see and take away the blindness and give us the eyes salve. See? And if we get this broad vision, it will transform and have secondary influence on your congregation. If your congregation is always using this power, it will be different. It will be very powerful. In fact, the might that is revealed in our lives will be the magnet for the non-Christian. See? I don't know if I said it here, but you know, when we were in Thailand as missionaries, those, uh, and we had some contact with Buddhist monks, they said, you know, you're Christians, I mean, you're fantastic. You can do all those things, what we Buddhists never can do. Just, I can't understand it, I can't understand it, but we will never be able to do it. What is the difference? What is the difference? We call upon Christ. And we can partake of the divine nature. See, I think that the number of our church members don't even know what partaker of the divine nature is. See? How do you do this? And therefore, you don't see any more changes. 
But if you partake of the divine nature, friends, we become invincible in the power struggle with Satan. And this is something wonderful, wonderful. One of the most beautiful promises in the Bible. An example of people who through divine power lived godly lives. The spirit with Enoch, Joseph and Daniel possessed, we may have. We may draw from the same source of strength. Possess the same power of self-control. And the same graces may shine out in our lives. What do you say? Signs of the time, November 11, 1886. So we walk with the Lord as Enoch walked. We resist the temptations in our sex, pornography, saturated success, society at the end. We reject this. And how can you reject this? What gets into your mind will finally be coming out of your mind. And television can have a marvelous use in evangelism. But friends, be careful. Because of what you see there, even the simple advertisements. And so here as Daniel in the lion's den. You're in the lion's den of the world and you will be able to gain the victory through those things. And so here I have an appeal. In thankfulness that Christ gave his life for me, I make a full surrender in my life again to him and accept God's call to be holy and call on him to give me the divine power to live godly lifestyle as the leader of my family, my church, my school, and conference. Now the question is, are you able, out of thankfulness of Christ and his atoning sacrifice, to make this full surrender? Say, yeah, yeah, I have surrendered my life. A full surrender thinking about what is presently preventing you from making that full surrender. I say, you know, Lord, I'm not knowing how I can do it, but I want to commit myself to a full surrender. Help me! Because I fail so many times. So, unless you want to make a full surrender, don't accept this appeal. Because not a full surrender means that Satan has a foothold. In your life. And it will continue to agitate, agitate, agitate. And make your efforts useless. Friends. If you are willing to make this full surrender. I would simply ask you to raise your hand. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have seen the desire of many of our hearts in the lifting of our hands. Father, we know that Satan is very angry of those responses. But we know that all the might is with you, all the power is with you. And so weak as we are, failures that we have made in the past, please give us the victory. May we taste the joy 
of the mate that you can give us. And bless each one of us here who has raised their hands. But also bless those who could not make this decision now. And may in the after wake of this week, they also make this full surrender. And make this conference a powerhouse for evangelism, a powerhouse for soul winning, that the world may be astonished. We thank you so much for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.